lot of time talking about tax deductions, right? Everyone talks about tax deductions. It's all over the news. But there is a long list of tax credits available to business owners, which are actually more valuable. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome back to season four of Digital Marketing Masters podcast, where we're interviewing 50 of the best book authors around marketing and sales and business. And even though a lot of them you may not have heard of, they are some of the best ones. And that's why they're here. And today I'm talking to Wendy Berlin. Wendy, how are you? Great. Thank you for asking. Wendy, I know we had a long chat before we started, so I'm excited about what we're going to talk about. We got some fantastic information for people at businesses. I already learned a whole bunch. We probably should just press record from the start, but let's get to it. Let me read your bio. Wendy has 25 years of experience advising business owners on tax and cash flow strategies. Wendy brings her experience and a great sense of humor to any presentation, just like today. And her book is called That's Deductible. And... I think the cover of your book is hilarious, by the way, because it's got somebody holding a bunch of cash and then it's got like a sad faced IRS guy, you know, who's losing out on his bucket of money, which is hilarious. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about It's Deductible? So thank you, Matt. You know, I spent the last 25 years running an accounting and tax firm. And very often I would get phone calls from business owners who had questions. Can I deduct this? How does this work? And I just didn't have the time to help them. There wasn't a way that I could answer everybody's questions. And so, so often they would turn to Google or they would turn to their neighbor or someone on the golf course and come up with the most outrageous, crazy answers. So when I took the time and kind of took everything in my head and dumped it out, I put it in a book because I thought that way I could reach more people, debunk a lot of the myths that are out there in the world that really hurt my stomach because people are making decisions based on what they read on Google or what the neighbor's telling them. Reading some of your book, I found like, I was like, okay, I pretty much know how tax deductions and stuff work, right? I mean, I've been in business for a long time. I took bookkeeping at school. I, I'm fairly fluent on the accounting side, right? And I read through it and like I, I kind of skimmed through the first few pages and then immediately I found something I didn't know. And I was like, oh my God, how did I not know this after this many years? And uh, one of the funny things actually that I found almost immediately when I was kind of flipping through the book was I was deducting costs for business clothes, but I was not deducting business clothes that had logos and stuff on it that I wear around. And apparently that's backwards. That's so interesting. Yes, that is completely backwards. And I especially get a lot of pushback from people who are client facing. So those who have to wear suits for work, right? If you're a banker and you have to wear a suit or someone who has to wear a beautiful gown to an event they have to go to. The IRS really doesn't care. And the law is very specific in black and white. Clothing that you can wear out on the street to anything else outside of work is not deductible. And I'm a true believer that we can play in the gray area. But once you do something that is against the law, that is specifically against black and white tax code, you will get the book thrown at you. So I can help you negotiate with the IRS in the gray area. When it comes to black and white tax law, like clothing, when you cross that line, you cross that line. And so I'm very clear with clients. 
You cannot deduct clothing if it is something that you can also wear outside of your day job. So, for example, UPS driver is unlikely to wear his UPS uniform to go to the movie on a Saturday night or to dinner with his wife or her wife. But you could wear a nice suit to any of those. You could wear a beautiful ball gown to your daughter's wedding and to an event. And that's where the IRS says, no, it must be labeled, logoed, or a requirement of your job. So as an example, I live in Florida. I don't own very warm jackets. <laughs> if I was required to come and work in Nova Scotia for a week, I could deduct a jacket or boots that I bought because those are very specific to a job I was going to do. So that's how you make things deductible. And that's why this is always worth a discussion with an accountant rather than Google. If somebody does something like they deduct something they're not supposed to and it's against the law, what happens? Well, no one's coming to take you away in the middle of the night. I think that's the most important thing to know because I hear a lot of people who have this terrible fear that one day they're going to open their front door and there's going to be an IRS agent standing there. Well, I haven't seen that in 25 years. As you know, the IRS is trying to hire 200 people. They have open positions right now. If you're interested, they have 200 open positions. So they don't have anyone coming to your door. However, if you are unlucky enough to get flagged for audit and they look and they go, huh, I see you've got clothing as a deduction. Why? And they don't like your answer or your reasoning. Then those deductions get added back, denied, so to speak. And you will then owe tax on that number and perhaps penalties for doing something that was not appropriate. So you're not going to jail. Nothing terrible is going to happen to you. The worst, worst, worst case is under audit, you would owe money back. Now, if you get audited, is it true that they also audit your history of tax returns? Sometimes. They can go back three years. And depending on the issue, they do or they don't. Because I heard five years. So apparently I don't know that much about that either. <laughs> yeah, it, it really depends on how egregious. And if they think you've done something fraudulent, then they can go back as far as they like. Okay. So it really depends on what's going on. Usually they'll go back two or three years. If they don't find any issues, they won't dig. And fraudulent would be like reporting that you didn't have income or something? Or that you uh, have been deducting clothing to the tune of thousands of dollars every year. The one that I saw most recently that got nasty was an S-corporation owner who did not run himself a reasonable salary. And that's a big deal. And they went back and back and back because every year he hadn't done it. And so once they got their claws into that, they saw a lot of money they could grab. But if it's just a few, you know, meals and parking receipts, they're probably going to let it go. In the book, there was also, as I kind of dug a little deeper, one of the things that I found super interesting is that the IRS doesn't really tell businesses what the credits are going to be. Right. That's right. How does that work? Right. So we spend a lot of time talking about tax deductions, right? Everyone talks about tax deductions. It's all over the news. But there is a long list of tax credits available to business owners, which are actually more valuable because a deduction is a minus. So if you bring in $100,000 and you have 20000 in deductions, you pay tax on eight. We all get that. Credits are more valuable because credits are against tax due. They're better than deductions, and there are a lot available. 
The one most recently that I was talking to a client about yesterday was for small businesses, anyone with less than 100 employees who puts a 401k pension plan in place can get credits up to $5,000 over a three-year period. So there are some significant credits that if you don't know because it just doesn't cross your world or your accountant is so busy that they just pound out a tax return and you sign and off you go and you never have this discussion with them, there could be a lot of credits you've left on the table. There is a credit that's kind of related to our industry and marketing for businesses. And I won't get into the specifics of it, but if you are making a new website or you redo your old website for the American Disabilities Association to make it compliant with the ADA, and there's a number of ways to do that, you know, you can get a tax credit. I believe it's up to $1,800 or something like that, or 3600 if you're bigger. And there's some even bigger, Matt. There's another one called the Research and Development Credit, which, you know, 20 years ago, a research and development credit was for people who made molds and mechanical engineering people. But over the last, I think it's about five years ago now, they expanded that to the digital world. So anyone building websites or doing, creating something on the internet that is different or unusual can get research and development credits. And these are even bigger. I see some that are $50,000, $60,000. I have architects getting them. I have editors, cartoonists. I mean, it's very expansive. And so this is where you need to know what you don't know and see if perhaps your business or even a piece of your business is eligible for this expanded research and development credit. There are a lot of credits out there. Wow. Uh, and you just have to find the ones. Yeah, I didn't know that one. And we're definitely writing software. So maybe we should talk after. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Wendy, if if somebody wants to take the first step to learn about what they can and can't deduct, what part of their business do you think is the first place to look? The first place to look is the least exciting. I know everyone's going to groan when I say this, but the most important thing is good bookkeeping because I can only do my job if you bring me good records. And I usually guarantee people this. If you take your bookkeeping and have a professional bookkeeper do it in QuickBooks or Wave or FreshBooks or whatever you like to use, I don't care, they're all the same. If you get a professional bookkeeper to put your numbers in there, I guarantee you I will find you more tax deductions than if you did it on Excel or if you did it at the end of the year or sat down and went through your 12 months of bank statements. Every single time I make that offer to someone, I win. I have never had to give someone a free tax return. And an example is a, I had a, a family of four sisters who were doing real estate deals and they came with their Excel spreadsheet and they assured me it was correct. We promise you all our income and expenses are in here. You can use this for taxes. And I said, I'm too old, <laughs> too jaded for that. I'm going to put it in QuickBooks. Had one of my team put it in QuickBooks at no cost to them. There was a $50,000 error in one of their formulas, in one of their cells in Excel. Fifty That, that was like $12,500 in income tax they would have had to pay that they did not owe. Is it worth spending a couple of grand on a good bookkeeper? Yes. And yes. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody should have a bookkeeper. And, you know, we've done several shows, probably 20 over the last four years about productivity. And the number one thing that you should delegate is bookkeeping. People waste so much time doing it. 
Absolutely. I don't care how good you are at it. I don't care how good you are at it. It's not a good use of your time. And a good bookkeeper will know to look for things to bring to you and say, hey, Matt, I see you spent money on this. We could do it this way. Do you want to ask your accountant about it? What should we do? And there are so many tax deductions that get lost because people don't have proper bookkeeping. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can use software and stuff to help with that, right? To lessen the load on a bookkeeper, right? You can have stuff that automatically assigns things to your chart of accounts and absolutely. And you know, same you can use payroll software like Gusto or something like that that'll do all your forms and stuff for you. And I mean getting a bookkeeper doesn't have to be that expensive, right? Because a lot of the heavy lifting can be done. Correct. And the good ones today are using all that software so that they're able to cut down on their actually daily entry time. There should be no typing. No one should be typing. (laughs) Everything should be downloads, reconciliations, categorizations, the thinking work. That's what you're paying for. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, our bookkeeper would send us things like, you know, here's eight transactions. I don't know what these are for. Can you tell us what these were so we can classify them kind of thing? Correct. Because you don't want anyone to guess. Right. And man, we had a bookkeeper years ago who essentially would guess <laughs> and guess wrong because they didn't understand technology companies. Right. And what a mess that was to dig out of. I don't even want to get into the thousands and thousands of dollars that that cost us. Tens of thousands of dollars. And it's so funny you should mention that because about 25 years ago when QuickBooks came to the fore, Everybody said, oh, QuickBooks is going to put accountants out of business. Everyone's going to do their own booking. And I tell you, I made hundreds of thousands of dollars fixing up QuickBooks messes over the years. It is it is the easiest money for us because people put their office manager or their daughter in charge of it thinking, oh, it's easy. It's click down menus. It's not easy. That's right. As long as you know what you're doing. Like we have a system in our financial system that takes our payments and does our payments out and all that kind of stuff. It connects all our bank accounts and all that kind of stuff. And then we had the bookkeeper create the charter of accounts and put all the stuff into it so that we know what goes where. And then we were able to set up automations to say, when this gets repeated, you can put it in this, you know, chart of accounts automatically, but it still doesn't do all the stuff that we don't know what it is. It doesn't do all of it. So it can know that Chevron is gas. It can know that Verizon is telephone. It's pretty simple. But it's when you buy something from Target or Bed Bath & Beyond or a restaurant that it's like, "Uh uh-oh, what is this? And that's where it takes a little bit. And sometimes it's strategy. You know, sometimes I get phone calls saying, hey, I just bought a, a table for my living room. Can I put it as an office furniture? No. And then it takes a little bit of discussion, you know, well, let's talk about that. What if you get audited? What's your what's your reason? What are you going to tell the little gray man about this? And so it's not always even as simple as the computer just knowing where to put it. You know, another thing that I see happen and and just because I know this because I moved to Canada recently, right from the U.S., is that people in other countries assume that the tax laws from the U.S. apply to them. <laughs> and they 100 percent don't. So there is there is some similarity, obviously. But there are other things that are different. Some deductions like home office deduction works completely different in Canada versus the United States. So for my Canadian listeners, talk to a Canadian CPA if you want to get Canadian tax law. Correct. And in the United States, you are taxed on worldwide income. 
So no matter where you earn money, if you file as a resident of the U.S., you are taxed on worldwide income. And so it's very important. You get credits for other – the United States has all kinds of treaties with other countries about to avoid double taxation. So you're not going to be double taxed, but it's really about declaring what you make because over the last few years, the IRS has definitely gotten more stringent about bank accounts outside of the U.S. and money is earned outside of the U.S. And so they are actively going after that. And so, again, that's not somewhere where I mess around. If somebody has a bank account outside of the U.S., I declare it. I declare it because I don't want them to come back later and say you were supposed to declare it and you didn't because that's a just, oh, whoops. It's really hard to kind of say, oh, I forgot about that bank account with a million dollars in it. That's silly. So I'm happy to play in the gray area where we can go, oh, whoops. And then there's some areas where, oh, whoops, just doesn't fly. Yeah. And the tax treaty, for people who don't know, tax treaty means that, like, for example, if I pay tax on my income in Canada, then I wouldn't have to repay that tax on the same income again in the United States. You only pay tax on the income once. Correct. But you have to declare it. I think there's one more thing in your book that I kind of wanted to touch on. There was some some talk around like year end planning and planning for taxes for the upcoming year. Do you want to talk a little bit about tax planning? One of my favorite topics. Thank you for reminding me about that. So people assume that accountants busy time is January through April here in the U.S. But those are the accountants that just pound out tax returns. Those are people where you just show up with your envelope or you email them your stuff. They put it in the computer, out comes the tax return, off it goes. They're factories, they're mills. Those, those people in general are not worth what you're paying for them. The real work for most of us actually happens in the last quarter of the prior year. So for my clients, the people that I know are getting refunds who are working on their returns now and the people who owe money we're working on in March and April because taxes are cash-based, which means that if we're going to make strategic moves about do we deposit the money in December or in January, do we prepay three months of rent in December, do you buy a new computer in December or January, those choices need to be made before December 31st, and they can greatly affect your tax bracket, deductions you may or may not be able to take, all happen at that critical 1231 strike off midnight. So every single one of my clients comes in in the last quarter of the year and December is my worst month of the year because I am telling people, Matt, this is what you're going to owe. And that's a huge responsibility. So it's a very stressful month for us. But I will tell you that after December 31st closes, there's not a lot an accountant can do for you. Yeah, we can move some things around. We can make some choices. But the really big decisions that are going to really shift the needle for you and what you do and don't pay are going to happen in December. You know, big tip for you uh, service industry people out there. Talk to all of your clients in, you know, December, especially maybe end of November into December before they go on Christmas vacation or Hanukkah or whatever they go for vacation that year and ask them if they need to prepay for any of your services for the upcoming year. Because a lot of them, especially nonprofits or divisions of companies that have specific budgets, a lot of times they need to use up that budget to get the same budget again the following year. So they are looking for things to spend money on. And you want to get ahead of that, right? Because what will happen to me is on December 28th, I'll get a phone call from a client going, I just got a check for $10,000 for my client. What should I do? 
what should I do? You know, or wire came in for 20 grand. What should I do? We've already done my year in planning. And then that's when it's like, oh, no. Now they've created a tax problem where right off the bat, we got no deductions and they're going to pay 30 or 40% tax on that. So it's really important to get ahead of anyone that owes you money and say, is it coming? Is it not coming? Can you hold it till January? Yes, absolutely. You want to get ahead of that map. No surprises. Perfect. So, Wendy, the book is It's Deductible. That's deductible. Or That's Deductible. If people want to get That's Deductible, where do they find it and how can they get a hold of you? Well, thank you. So the book That's Deductible is on Amazon. It's both for Kindle and hard copy if you want it in the mail. I still like to have a real book and mark it up the good old-fashioned way. And my website is wendybarlin.com, just like my name, wendybarlin.com. I got a bunch of free downloads and resources on the website. One of them that I just put up there because of great demand is for the home office deduction. It is a greatly misunderstood deduction here in the U.S. Lots of myths about what it does and doesn't mean. So I put up a cheat sheet for how to take it, who's eligible, and that's at wendybarlin.com. Perfect. And that's B-A-R-L-I-N, right? You got it. Wendybarlin.com. Wendy, thanks so much. I think this is going to be super helpful for people. I learned a whole bunch reading your book and uh, man, I can't wait to just finish off the last little bit. I didn't quite get through the whole book before we our interview because, you know, it's it's been it's only been a week since we scheduled it. <laughs> so, but yeah, thank you so much for being on. And we're definitely going to talk because I have some tax questions that I want to ask you for our company. You're most welcome. Thanks, Matt. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.